Welcome to the Animalitia Podcast. I am Ben. Ian, thank you for joining me again. Of course. On such short notice. Happy to be here. Always. Uh, always great to have you on the show. I feel good. I'm excited. Um, you know, I want to start out, talk about a dream I had last night. Um, I don't have a lot of nightmares. Um, like, well, I should, so I have a lot of scary dreams, but like, I really like the adventurous type of dreams. So like, they usually make me feel good, <laughs> but it's very rarely I have one where I actually wake up and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I feel, uh, I feel kind of chilled right now. Like that was some uneasy shit. Yeah. yeah. Nerved and whatever. But, um, I had one last night and it was actually about this podcast. Oh God. And it was involved you and I. <laughs> oh shit. Um, here we go. <laughs> So you know those ruins we were uh, film scouting at recently? Those abandoned yeah. ruins? Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll we'll get into that. Um, <clears throat> sort of tell everyone that story. This but, is already off to such a shaky start. Cause, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you remember that bunker in the back, the tunnel to mm-hmm. hell, the hell's tunnel. Yep. The very end of it had that... that uh, Goat. That, yeah, whatever that terrible thing was. We both saw that and we're like, let's get the fuck out of here. Yes. This is one of the, of everywhere I've ever been, Amboy, California, Area 51, um, Virginia City, Nevada, any of those haunted places. The state of Florida. Yeah, just anywhere in general. Kangaroo Express and Piffalo. <laughs> <laughs> this was by far the eeriest, yeah. the worst energy, I can v- confirm. Very, very terrible. So I had a dream that we um, went in in there, in those ruins, and we had brought these little like laptops with these portable mics and stuff. And <clears throat> let me backtrack for a second. So I think I've told you a goal I have for this podcast down the line, and that is... Uh, as I travel and I explore some of these crazy places, like I mentioned Amboy or uh, Goldfield, Nevada, Virginia City, Area 51, I want to do figure out a way where I can take like a portable, um, sit a uh, portable like laptop or whatever with like a mic, where I can record an episode of the podcast on site. Um, yeah. So like I could actually record an episode in Goldfield, Nevada when I make some of these connections and they give me access to like these haunted buildings and stuff, I can actually interview a local and be in there and it won't sound as high quality of the studio, obviously, but it will sort of might have a certain like aesthetic feel to it where it's just kind of, uh, authentic. Exactly. And I can literally to everyone listening, I can be like, Hey, so I know this doesn't sound the greatest, but I am in a haunted um, an old bank from the 1800s out in the middle of the Nevada desert. And I'm interviewing a local here who works in this town and they're going to share with me some ghost stories. That's something I want to do. Oh yeah. And I was talking to you earlier, like it'd be fun for us to do some more investigative style journalism so we can go to these area 51 places or wherever, um, bohemian grove maybe where we will get into that a little later but uh just something different right right give people a reason to tune in and 
it'd sort of be like we're taking them with us, you know? Oh yeah. So that's kind of what this what this dream was about. So we decided that, <clears throat> oh man, like let's do a podcast episode in that bunker, right? Like the worst place we've ever seen. It was a bad idea. It was not cool. Yeah. So like we're in in the dark and like we're like these portable laptops and we're doing a podcast episode inside of there. And like I don't remember all the details, but there was like talking to a spirit or something and or someone was like talking to us and they were telling us like all these like um different like um yeah, I don't know, just like presences that were around and like they're describing like these monsters they were seeing. It was like really fucked up. It was bad. Like I woke up and I was like freaking out. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm so like would never do that. Sitting like, here right now, I can see you just struggling to even like find the words to describe it. And that's the funny thing about dreams is mm-hmm. you know the feeling that you felt when you had the dream. And yeah. that's enough for you to be like, dude, fuck this. Like, yeah. I don't like this. But to try and describe it like you are now, it's just the it's the hardest damn thing to do sometimes. Yeah. 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 And no, I being there. Mm-hmm. So to like, kind of like set the scene for everyone, like picture, like just like a concrete cube. Now cut like a little doorway into that concrete cube and it goes as far back as the light will stretch. So not that far, maybe like 10, 15 feet. And then it splits into like a T you can either go left or you can go right. And on that, like on that back wall where you have the option to go left or right in this bunker, this giant concrete bunker, there is a painting of like this humanoid goat figure with a pentagram and he's pointing left and right. And I consider that to be one of the many entrances to hell on this earth. It gave such bad vibe. Even talking about it right now, I just, I hate, I hate it. And to like, even like have you like have a dream about it. Yeah. It's carrying into your, like it's going into your subconscious. It's not cool. I don't like that. No, not at all. Um, yeah. So like, to um, explain to you guys, give you a little backstory on what we're talking about with this place. So it's a, a place down here. It's about 30 minutes south, 45 minutes south of us out in the country in a, uh, a town called Fairbolt. And there's like a county around it. And uh, I found this abandoned place a few years ago and I was into urban exploration. And what it was is in that area... There used to be a uh, state hospital and a, and a mental uh, an asylum from, you know, about half a century ago. And um, for those of many of you are probably familiar, many of you might not be, but the mental health in this country at that point in time was very bad and it was very dark. We basically did bad experiments on people. Um, um, they were tortured, lots of like electroshock therapy. So all over this country, you'll find these abandoned hospitals and stuff like that from that time period and very haunted, like very bad uh, energy, all all that kind of stuff. So there's all kinds of crazy stories. So there's supposed to be um, an abandoned hospital down in that area. And um, down the road from it, there's like this grove of these woods and I found this building years ago and it's these abandoned ruins. I don't, no one really knows what the building was. It's called the uh, Walcott Mills. 
And the closest thing I've ever found on the internet was it was supposed to be like a farm for the mentally inept to work um, from the state hospital, which was down the road. Um, that's as far as anything I've ever been able to discover online through research. But something didn't add up to me when I went there. This building is kind of like a prison. like It's like this cube, this big block of concrete. There's an entrance door and there's an exit door. One long hallway. One long hallway and there's six rooms. Three on the right, three on the left. These rooms have no windows. There's no running water in this place. So it's not really shaped like any barn or anything. And what's also weird is why would it, why do they think it's a farm? It's in the middle of the woods. Yeah. They're the nearest field. I think when we were scouting there, the nearest field, three to 400 yards away, which is completely impractical. Normally, if you work on a farm, you're going to have your tool shed and everything within 50 yards at most. And you go down. So you enter the building, you have to go up this hill, like this hill in the woods, you enter it. You go exit out the back of it, and then there's like a little trail that goes down a ravine, and you find this bunker in the hill. And this is, bunker's kind of a weird thing too, because it doesn't really make sense, like why it's there, like what it is. It's not obvious. It's just in the middle of the woods. So the first time I ever went there years ago, I did some further research. Um, and one thing I discovered is there was rumored that in that area of Faribault, when FDR was president, is that there was a Japanese internment camp um, back when uh, he, he put Japanese Americans in internment camps on American soil. There was supposed to be one in that area. And I kind of thought about it, and I'm like, that building looked like a prison, and there's a bunker in the back in the hill. And... That's kind of my theory on what I think it was. I think it's an abandoned prison there. Yeah, I agree 100%. So we went to film scout it because it is a creepy-ass building, but it's in the middle of the woods. We discovered it's on state property. So I'm gonna, we'll have to contact some people in order to film there, but it should be fairly um, easy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but we went down the road, and it was winter, and it was snowing. I mean, it is winter, and this was this was a few weeks ago, but it's like snowing a little bit. And we walked off into the woods, and we actually found the sign for the state hospital. And I've never been able to find it before because I've only been out there in the summertime. Um, there was fresh snow, but there was also fresh footprints. Tracks. Oh yeah. yeah, they just kind of wandered into the woods and and kind of disappeared. And we don't know how far to go to find the hospital or if it was torn down. But we found the, uh, it's like a tombstone sort of. Pretty much. It, it's like a cross and then like this plaque that says like the Fairbolt uh, State, State Hospital, yeah, State Hospital 1960 something or yeah. whatever. And those fresh footprints, it was funny because I was like, well, shit, we obviously have to follow them. Like mm -hmm. we're not going to, let's go see what's up. And Ben and I, of course, being, you know, who we are, <laughs> knives and flashlights on us, like walking <laughs> into this situation and. I did. Um, I did have brass knuckles too. There you, you know, go. Safety, safety first. Safety first. And so we uh, followed these footprints until they just kind of disappeared. And 
from what we can assume, a lot of people go to these abandoned places to just shoot up and to do just like the worst drugs. It's <clears throat> probably the most terrifying thing about yeah, you've got these old places and these this bad energy and it's potentially haunted. But you go to a scary place and you're in the dark and you've got a bunch of fucking meth heads like it it just adds to the bad energy of it like and it's dangerous as hell. Oh yeah. Unpredictable. And so anyways, we found that we go back to the ruins that I had discovered years ago. And I showed Ian because we were thinking of filming a scene there. And describe the energy you got when we approached that building. It wasn't so much as like when we approached it. I was, of course, like just a little shook just by the whole situation and like the setting that, you know, it's snowing and it's just like we're out in the middle of nowhere. But it's when I actually started to see the details, the small details of this place, you walk in and you're like, okay, it's a concrete block on the outside. But then you walk in and the spray paint, the graffiti that's in there is yeah. just evil. Everything yep. about it was screaming evil. I mean, Absolutely. from like, it, and I mean, I do not approve of anything that was in there. There was shit in there ranging from satanic worship to child pornography to just some of the most disgusting, terrible, worst shit you could imagine. So one of these rooms had a big like pentagram in the on the wall. And underneath it was like a child's car seat that was like set on fire. Yeah. Just like really weird shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there was also, um, we, I can confirm that some ritual of some sort was performed in here absolutely. given by the, uh, the, str there was like, like not so much an animal carcass, but like the fur of it, like an it animal. Was, it was hanging from the ceiling too. Yeah. Like. Right in the center of the uh, hallway. Yeah, the, like it, like it wasn't, it wasn't. Uh, so it was placed there purposely. That's yeah, what I'm it, saying. No animal could have gotten it. It was like 16 feet high, or it was like a, like 16, 17 foot high yeah. kind of ceiling, and yeah. it was just kind of like hanging from there. And you could tell that. I, I could assume that other animals probably came across that and ate it, or what was left of it. Yeah. But you could still see that there was like a hanging chunk of skin and fur. Yeah. Yeah. Not and good energy. No. <laughs> Not good energy at There's all. There's a lot of like anger in there. And uh, and then the fact that people go in there and uh, smoke meth and apparently they're all occultists. Uh, yeah, it's very bad. Big time. So we were conflicted about if we actually wanted to film this movie scene in here because we don't want to promote any of the shit that was actually in there, even if it was just for a fictitious story. Because that's how bad it was. So we were trying to think of shots we could do where it wouldn't record any of the graffiti on the walls. And if there was, we'll just, we'd paint it and cover it up. Yeah. Because we don't want to promote that shit. Absolutely. We don't even want to give that attention. Um, and to be, you know, something to definitely take note of is to be filming a scene where the tension is already high. The actors yeah. are portraying a lot of tension. I know it's acting, but that energy can still carry in into the like the real life you you're going to start portraying that energy and to avoid sure. that we were kind of talking about how it might be ideal for us to do a lot of good before yeah. we go do this like to actually like spread some positivity before we do this yeah find like a charity or like something where our film crew can like volunteer and just go do something positive 
with our time, like throw some good out in the world in order to like offset just everything that's in there. And I mean, you know, what if someone like got hurt? Like what if uh, during one of our fight scenes, someone falls on a hypodermic needle or something, you know? My biggest fear is like the broken glass in there. Like the, it's so dirty. There's some rooms you can't even see the concrete floor because it's just covered in needles, broken crack pipes. It's really like to have a dream about this place is nothing short of a nightmare. It's terrifying. Well, you know what happened with uh, when they filmed The Exorcist, right? Yep, hundred percent. Yeah, if you want to share that. So when they were filming The uh, Exorcist, a lot of a lot of shit happened, and if you know about it, uh, I'm sorry, I'm just gonna go over it really quickly. But um, some actors were rehearsing some lines in a soundstage. The soundstage burns down, and it was during a very intense scene where The Exorcist was being performed. Um, one of the grips, and if you don't know what a grip is, it's just like a lighting, onset lighting and a gear setup, basically, just to summarize, um, died because he had a, I, I can't remember, I think it was some tungsten light, I can't remember which one, it was like a 1K or something. He, it was unplugged, no ties to the wall, no electricity, no current running through it. Shit just started on fire on him and he engulfed, he was completely engulfed in flames and he burned alive. And there were times where some of the main actors, I can't remember their names, uh, some of the main leads were rehearsing lines at their house, like even in their own home. And they said that they felt such a presence of paranormal uh, activity that it just was not like they had to always rehearse their lines with more than three people, they said. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we got to spread some positivity before we go into this and just make sure that we're approaching this in like the healthiest way possible. If we do film here, it's going to be a very short scene no longer than we don't want to be there longer than like 20 minutes and actually filming the scene i want to say like less than a minute yeah Yeah, minute to two right for sure um but yeah so anyways that's a story about uh these ruins we discovered recently um with that place like it's really dark places with all this occultist shit like what is it with like it's like i know the people who are doing this these days they're like almost my age you know they're like very young they're in their early to like late 20s in that kind of region and you kind of wonder like what the fuck influenced you to go to such a dark path whether it's um you know art movies music right now yeah being the biggest one music is the darkest influence in my opinion and i think you you know where i'm going with this you definitely yeah so why don't you just go ahead and jump right into it um man so in previous episodes i've sort of hit on uh the influence the music industry has um if you've heard of the illuminati not here to say they exist or they don't exist but simply that All the major record labels in this country are basically owned by one company. This company, I shouldn't call them a company. They are a a conglomerate. That's a better better name for them. I'll call them out right now. Their name's Vivendi. That's right. I'm not familiar. Oh, okay. So it's a French media conglomerate. Okay. Um, Okay. They own, you'd basically take the six major record labels in the United States and they're owned by Vivendi. Oh. So my whole thing with the Illuminati is 
I want to look at it from like a corporate perspective. So we know when you work for a large like corporation, do you have individuality? You know, no, not generally not. They want you to speak a certain way, act a certain way because you're a you're representing their power structure and their corporation, right? Right. So if I'm in the music industry, if you're an artist on one of these major record labels and you're owned by one massive like corporation, basically, why would it be any different, right? Right. Wouldn't you have a character you're supposed to play, a cause you're supposed to represent, uh, influence people a certain way, right? And... I think it's safe to say, and a lot of information is coming out now. Um, a lot of people's eyes are being opened. The people, the elite, the people in the really high top of uh, the chain of command on this planet, they're not good. They're into very dark stuff. You have to do very dark things to get to that level of power. And they have to be very crazy to even want that level of power. Yeah. So let's take this Vivendi group, right? Yeah. Okay, so do you think they're politically involved in the United States? Based on what you've just said in the past minute, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, in episode three, I actually, by using open secrets, it's a source where you can see um, different like corporations and stuff and how they donate politically and to what organizations and politicians and stuff. You can actually follow where their money goes, how much of it they donate to a cause. So let's just say there's evidence that they are politically influential in this country. Yeah. So if you are like a corporation and you have that much power, money, and influence, your net worth is literally billions and billions of dollars. (laughs) Um, Is that a Dr. Evil reference? (laughs) No, it's just, I'm just fucking around. But so literally you have a net worth of billions and billions. You have all this power. You're a corporation. You have a political ideology you want to follow. So all these people who you employ, basically artists and musicians on these record labels, don't you want them to represent your cause and your beliefs, right? Yeah. It makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, no, I see where you're going. Especially where these elitists and these people at the top are total pieces of shit. And that they're generally into like some really twisted stuff. Like, I don't, I'm not going to get far into this because I don't even want to like give it much acknowledgement, but Jeffrey Epstein, there we go. There you go. That type of stuff. Yeah. And they, it, it makes perfect sense that they would want to have the best influencer to speak their idea, to preach what they want, to push the ideas that they feel are necessary to uh, achieve what they need. Mm-hmm. And what might some of these ideas be that they want to, these these kind of these dark ideas and these dark concepts and these um, lifestyles that they want to promote in order to make money? Because that's what the bottom line is. It's about money and power, right? Right. And you ask me, like, what kind of dark ideas you want to promote? Well, I mean, like, the biggest... The biggest thing I keep seeing in all of media amongst a lot of artists is Satanism, like, or like just the satanic cult. And I think just to get people to think about this objectively, we can take this like literally or metaphorically. So let's just think about like meta, just to be objective, like metaphorically, what does that type of evil like represent? 
Like if you, um, like, okay, sin, like what's really bad. So like objectifying women, valuing money over like relationships and other human beings, um, certain like gluttony and like overuse of like drugs or like whatever it is. Like these are all things that are uh, commonly promoted in pop culture. Right. And it's evil, right? Mm -hmm. Like those are things that are not good. Yeah. Um, but yet all of this stuff is being perpetually like shoved down our throats and there's it's shoved down our throats by these artists who make a lot of money and have a lot of influence over people. And there's one specifically that we've been talking about recently. So we want to like, we want to use this platform to just bring some attention to this. And we're not exactly saying like we're a hundred percent certain that bought is... in, but it's just some stuff that's floating out there. Raise a red flag for sure. Yeah. That we would just want to like talk about and discuss a little bit. Well, to like, before I get into the person that I'm about to get into classic, like the influence of this kind of like evil, like exploiting humans and stuff. It yeah. goes all the way back to like, for like what you were telling me earlier, like the seventies with like classic rock. Yeah. Um, absolutely. So there's a guy, Alistair Crowley. I'm not going to talk about him much, but the Beatles were big into his philosophy. And then obviously they revolutionized rock and roll. And you had all the major bands after them. You know, you had The Doors and Led Zeppelin, ACDC, like Aerosmith, whoever you wanted, you know, everyone from that era. Right. So, like, they promoted all of this stuff. And, like, we look back at those bands. Um, the lot of nostalgia and like fondness, you know, especially like our parents' generation. But if you actually think about what they promoted, it was drug use, it was alcoholism, it was um, a lot of misogynistic stuff. It was womanizing. Yeah. Um, it was just really terrible stuff that was promoted, and people turned a blind eye to it because they were so heavily influenced and just infatuated with these like superstars right yeah something like, new something bold to grab on to. exactly like yeah. you know the influence led zeppelin had on pop culture and music and like history and it's like people barely think hard enough to break that down to think about what they actually might have represented and that just kind of goes with the power of music and like i've said this before Music has a very different influence on people than other forms of art because it's something that like connects both hemispheres of your brain, the left and the right. It's something that's like creative and artistic and like mathematical at the same time. It's like mathematical and it's spiritual and it's like expressing things that like can't be said but are impossible to be silent on. So it hits you very differently than just like a book or a film or something or you know, a painting or a photograph yeah. where it's something you're processing and observing music just hits that. Like at the risk of sounding cliche, it hits your soul. You no, know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. Um, and I know exactly what you're saying. So it has like a much different influence, but like, so those bands were into very bad stuff. And if you read about them individually, 
just horror stories about like what they did, how they treated women, um, uh, like fangirl stuff like that. Um, I don't even want to talk about this. It's disgusting. But anyone listening, read about Steven Tyler of Aerosmith. He's like one of the biggest pieces of shit that's ever lived. Agreed. Terrible. Absolutely disgusting. So that, now this really explodes in the 80s with the hair metal scene. Yeah. Because now we're talking about drugs and like banging chicks. Like now this is just taken to an absolutely preposterous level. <laughs> like this is just so commonplace and like the cool thing and like just disgusting but then grunge comes along and like grunge does the opposite it starts talking about how that's like not cool and like it's more emotional or it's got some more emotional depth and it's like more genuine and authentic and it's just it was the absolute opposite of what 80s hair metal was right right so it kind of changed the direction of rock and roll well, like, let me ask you, like, what happened to all of those rock stars from that era? Like, the, from the grunge era? Uh-huh. Uh, like, 90% of them are dead now. Yep. Yep. Uh, Kurt Cobain, dead. Yeah. Um, um, Lane Staley, dead. Um, right. Yeah, oh, my God. Stone Temple Pilots guy, uh, Wylan. Uh, hey, Tom, who's the singer of Stone Temple Pilots? Scott Weiland, dead. Oh, my God. Uh, Chris Cornell, Soundgarden, dead. Mm. And uh, I'm missing a lot. But basically, you've got Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam and Billy Corgan from The Pumpkins are alive. And I really think that's it from the major bands. Uh, Singer of Sublime, dead. Yeah. So, like, what did all these guys die from? Drugs. Drugs. Mainly heroin. Yeah. Um, So it's kind of interesting to me. Like everyone did drugs in the history of rock and roll. And then these guys were sort of protesting what was cool. Like what was all these really bad things that were promoted in like rock and roll. And then grunge kind of like threw a wrench into that machine. Yeah. And it started, it, it stopped that and it was more authentic and genuine. And all of a sudden all these guys die from that generation. So where does that type of like, all those messages that rock and roll was trying to influence people with, like it, it sort of Where does goes, it go? goes into hip hop and then that hip-hop. sort of goes into pop. And that's where it's at nowadays. Your, your pop stars. Um, what do they sing about? Uh, drugs, you know, drugs, and sex, yeah. um, materialistic stuff, you know, focusing on, um, you know, the things that don't matter, the things that don't fill you. Exactly. And sin. And you with know? a lot of and to add on to hip hop and of course I'm gonna jump into like rap and how Be- a lot of like I feel nowadays they're kind of one and the same because they're it's kind of all like molded together. They're unifying that central idea. Exactly. Yeah. And so like to go into like rap now, I there's there's rap out there that I like actually genuinely enjoy. Like mm-hmm. Nas, ninety four, Illumatic, like fantastic yeah. artist but then you get into like what we have today and it sounds like courage the cowardly dog screaming into a microphone <laughs> I, it's sad and but they're talking about pop and zans how many bitches they can fuck in one night all this stupid shit like even hearing that come out of my mouth first of all like sounds weird well and but, I, so i'm gonna jump in like i grew up on nwa and like tupac and all that yeah which you know they sung about shit that was not cool like that yeah but it was different because they were singing about like 
this environment they grew up in and um the struggle the the struggle right and yeah. like now it's just like it's like promoting it as something cool yeah like, like you have to be in the struggle in order to like get this life in order to like achieve this and it's by a lot of people who like aren't in the struggle like Absolutely. drake drake for instance <laughs> so um the six god is who we're gonna jump into a little bit tonight yeah but i think this is a perfect segue here because you know um i'm gonna make fun of him a little bit so go for it you know he drake is just a uh, he's just a bitch so <laughs> <laughs> okay so he <clears throat> you know he would act like he's so hard and he in the beginning before he really cut his teeth and made it huge he had some pretty good rap like i think he spit some cool shit but like here's the thing dude like you grew up in toronto you lived with your mom you were the wheelchair kid in Degrassi. You were not fucking hard. Like, you were not fucking Ice Cube. You were not Tupac. Shut up. And, like, come on. He's, he's you, look like a, you look like a goddamn Muppet. <laughs> you know, he's... He's widely... He's widely no, I can't unsee that. He's widely known as like the sad boy kind of rapper, like the original sad boy rapper, always preaching about his feels, not finding a solution for him. Right. And and so he calls himself the Six God, and he's got the song the Six God, you know, and it kind of goes into a little bit. I mean, like looking at the lyrics of the song, it's kind of like the generalized rap, you know, like you fuck with my bitch, I'll fuck you up, like I'm like that kind of stuff. But he. He's got this obsession with talking about owls. And if you know about his like owl October like merchandise club or whatever yeah. the fuck that is. Yep. He's got this whole centralized obsession with owls. And I'm I'm gonna we're gonna put a pause on that because I'm gonna go over to his Instagram. He uh he's called like Champagne Pappy on Instagram, whatever the fuck that like whatever. <laughs> Little bitch. Anyways, <laughs> he he does this like you know like the okay symbol with like your three fingers and you make the little circle with your hand or whatever like you know he he does that in all yeah. of his instagram posts but there's what what i believe is that there and of course this is just me being skeptical but i believe that there's a deeper meaning behind that he he likes to throw that symbol up every now and again and it's got like it's in the shape of like a six but there's three of them so it's like you know three sixes and yeah. He sometimes, he, there, in some Instagram posts, he would put two of them up to his face and he would do like that owl kind of look. Yeah. And he he would look like an owl. And he, he's not only like, he, didn't you show me like a Lil Wayne Drake music video earlier? I can't remember what song that was. but <clears throat> It was Love Me with uh, Lil Wayne and uh, some other fuck face. Some um, other... <laughs> Drake? No, a different. Fuck oh, face. different fuck face. <laughs> just, it's like a group, a group of just of these just, just fucking assholes. awful. So he's got this like subliminal hidden agenda to promote the satanic cult. In 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 hindsight, you can kind of just see it. And we were looking at uh, just sort of this montage of images of the symbol, and it's like everywhere. It's in music videos. It's in uh, award shows. It's in music. Uh, it's like all over the place. Absolutely. He does it on stage. He does it all the time. He flashes it whenever he can, of course. And I mean, the guy even rocks an upside down cross as a necklace. Yeah, that's right. That, yep. That's okay for me. And I'm 
like when I see that shit, I'm the, like, I don't fuck with it. That's Absolutely. enough for me to be like, dude, you're fucked. Like you're fucked in the head. And yep. through all of this quick rise to fame, I feel like there is no emotional growth. And he's allowed himself to indulge in all of this bullshit, all of this satanic crap. Yeah. And out of result of it, he's kind of like found himself in a position of power where he's almost like forced to be this person yeah. to kind of like play into that. And he's got, he's got some controversies and I'm yeah. going to talk about those a little bit, mm-hmm. unless you have anything else to add on to his pussy ass rap career. No, I, <laughs> um, let's see here. Um, no, I'm okay. just going to let Fuck you it. go. Here we go. So, uh, a lot of people and <laughs> a lot of people have kind of like brushed this off their shoulder because, you know, you don't want to hear bad things about your favorite person. Right. And you just try to like push them away. Like when people shit talk Star Wars, I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like you don't know what you're talking about, but right. it's kind of bad now. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm going to admit that. And I think that after hearing this, you should question yourself and really dive deep into the facts and do your own research and say like, is this the person I should really be listening to? Is this someone that should be influencing my emotion? So Drake in, I think it was last year or yeah, it was definitely last year. He was accused of hitting up like texting and it's true it's been proven by both of these actors or i mean actresses and uh, musicians that he uh hit up millie bobby brown and billy eilish right just slid right into their dms and Mm -hmm. he did that right when billy eilish turned 18 no less than a week after her birthday he was right there ready to talk to her i think it was like way before because she like just turned 18 i think oh really yeah see that's 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 where i kind of get confused because a lot of them he, he kind of starts to, the problem is, is that he'll start to talk to these young women before they're 18 and yeah. he'll kind of like plant himself in there yeah. as an influencer in their life. And then he'll work his way up until the day that they're yeah. of age. Yeah. yeah. I know what you're d- talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So with Millie Bobby Brown, he regularly apparently texted her and texts her like, I miss you and all sorts of shit. Like whatever the fuck that means. She's like 14, right? At the time that he was talking to her. Yeah. Wow. He actively gives her advice on boys what a fucking crazy who the fuck wants advice from a 33 year old man first of all shame on the parents for not just stepping in there i mean no like kidding. like 14 years old is still young and that's the thing with hollywood is so many people are young when they get thrown into it and then that's their life they, they kind of are blinded by all of that fame and that glory and they allow these things to come into their lives. Yeah. It's really not like a, I don't know. I'm not, I'm in no place to judge, I guess, cause I wouldn't know what it's like, but that is just such a bad, like parental move. Yeah. Like you're basically, you're whoring them out for like fame and stuff. And, and not Which, to say that like their parents, who knows? Maybe their parents, like maybe uh, Millie's parents, just figured out like right when this came public, and they're like, "Oh, you're texting Drake? What the fuck?" You know, like. Well, and I like, like I want to say, like, obviously, I don't know what that's like, and I'm sure as a parent, if your child's like uberly talented, it might be difficult to like want to hold them back from that to right. have a normal life just for the sake of their like mental well-being. When mm-hmm. you're also like, well, hey, like they have a career for themselves, and like. Uh, a lot of potential like you obviously want your child to hit that so it's probably a like a weird scenario so i'm not trying to be too judgmental one way or another but yeah i still think it's kind of weird you know like you'd you'd feel like you'd want to be like uh really protective of that shit yeah 
And so, like, you know, I hear this. I've heard this from people before. You know, they're young. They're in high school and they have all these. They love the attention of all these older people hitting them up because it makes them feel more important than everyone else. But then they grow up and they realize this kind of attention that they received when they were young was inappropriate. It was unhealthy and Mm -hmm. it should not have happened. They shouldn't have allowed it to come to them. And it it's like Drake is trying to and and I'm probably wrong I'm probably right who knows there's just this is all you know speculation it's like he's trying to get into their lives involve himself with them and emotionally attach himself to them I mean like giving Billy Bobby Brown advice about boys like he's trying to create an idea of what boys are for her when she just needs to go out there and just date and exist and experience it for herself that's where it gets weird because like I could understand like having a genuine like friendship or like you know age is just you know a number like if you connect with another human being and it's like everyone means well and like you be friends and whatever but like that shit's fucking weird though like that's not normal mm-hmm. and like the pattern of his behavior almost almost seems predatorial so the you- fact that it's not just millie bobby brown so i'm gonna jump into billy yeah. eilish here so he reaches out to billy eilish um so eilish 17 was interviewed by vanity fair which is where i'm getting this quote from and she said the nicest dude i've ever spoken to I've only like texted him, but he's nice. At his level, he doesn't need to be that nice. So that's that's kind of what she said there. Well, like here's what's weird about Drake for his level of success and fame, and for how big his world is. Like, you'd think he's got other things going on than to be texting like teenage girls. You Absolutely. Know? Like it's kind of fucking weird, which sort of seems like it might be like predatorial, like mm-hmm. a control thing. Yeah. Which we've seen time and time again, especially nowadays, like um, a lot of people who get to that elite status, that's kind of what they do. Like they're in over their heads, they're drunk with power and um, very fucking psycho. To like touch back on like, you know, the history of like rock and roll, it was kind of like something that they prided themselves on. It was a power trip. Yeah. Because they could get away with it, you know? Absolutely. And and that's in this situation. I even researching this, I can't find shit. I mean, I can, yeah. but gosh, do I have to search? Like I really have to dig and it's because they can get away with it. People it's clouded with all of the glory that people, um, put on them. Yeah. And it's, it's really unfortunate, but Here, so, hold on. let me cut you off there yeah, before go we ahead. get into this. Let's just talk. I've just some basic numbers here. Let's talk about how powerful Drake actually is. Right. All right. So his net worth is 150 million dollars which makes him the fifth richest rapper on the planet um he is the top selling solo male artist in history in america with 218 million dollars in album sales and selling 142 million total units he has 52.8 million social media followers total He's had six number one hits on the Billboard Top 100, 36 top 10 hits, and 207 hits in the top 100 in general. And that is since 2009, because he was part of Young Money, which was Lil Wayne's, um, sort of his group of protégés, and Lil Wayne had, uh, basically he was on thousands of songs, and he 
supposedly needed a lot of ghostwriters, so he'd bring up these young rappers and they'd cut their teeth for him. And then once they did, he'd get them on tracks and they'd get big and then he would help them get their deals. And that's sort of how, that's where Nicki Minaj came from. That's where Drake came from. A couple others who I believe kind of faded really quick. Yeah, because they probably weren't appealing to that agenda. Yeah, so Drake's first like legit album I think came out in 2009. Um, and that was like a six track album. And then okay. thank me later dropped in 2010, which was, that's really what put him on the map. Yeah. So yeah, all those numbers, like that's just in the last, you know, 10, 11 years. That's crazy that he's just blown up that quick. Yeah. So 52.8 million social media followers. So like, just imagine if he goes on and he says, hey, like vote for this person for president. That's 52.8 million people potentially that could vote for that president. Let's just say like he was able to influence like 10% of those people. That's, That's still a pretty 5 million people. Yeah. Like, yeah. So just thought I'd throw that out there. No. Like, and I'm, an example and some data just on how influential and powerful he might actually be. Yeah, no, I'm glad you did. Glad you did. So I'm going to go back to his obsession with the owl. Yeah. And like the owl in society has represented multiple things. Like you said earlier, um, like earlier to me today, like it's like a symbol of wisdom in certain situations. And in other cultures, it is a symbol of like demonic. uh, It's a, it's a pagan symbol. Exactly. And Um, so a lot of rich and famous people like, you know, I'm sure on the show we've probably talked about the quote unquote Illuminati, whatever the fuck you want to call it, the high world order, the people who rule over everyone, not so much as a, or a company or an organization as much as it is like a... Let's just call them the politically and socially elite. Uh, there you go. The politically and socially elite. And all of these politically and socially elite people obviously meet up. They unify, they group together what is the one, let me ask you, Ben, what is yeah. the one big event that everyone goes to every year, the politically and social elite, even the ones that we do know? There's obviously the hidden elite and then the visible elite that we see in the media and the people that affect our politics, our music. Where do they go every year to meet up to? What club are they a part of? Well, <clears throat> I think there's a lot of them, but I the one specific one you're getting at is called... Uh, the Bohemian Club, also known as Bohemian Grove. You are right. There are a lot of them, but this one in particular. <laughs> um, so let me touch base on this a little bit. So Bohemian Grove is in, uh, what was it? Del Rio, California. Del mm-hmm. Monte. Hold on. Let me look that up quick. Just Oh, the Bohemian Grove is in the, well, their headquarters is in uh, San Francisco. And then right, it's, uh, the Sonoma County where they meet the Bohemian Grove is in the Sonoma County Redwood Forest. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Gotcha. Where so, is specifically in the Redwood Forest? Who knows? Maybe someday we'll find out. Hopefully someday we'll find out. Alex Jones got in there <laughs> and hilarity ensued. But back on track here. So... This is a group of politically and socially elite people, and it has, it's very old. So I was looking through the list of members. It was very long. Like I was scrolling for minutes. Oh, yeah. So I'll just name the really famous ones. And uh, mainly it's like the really famous ones are presidents. 
but uh, like Mark Twain was in this. And so that kind of goes to show you how old the club really is. Oh, yeah. But um, George W. Bush was a part of it. Um, George H.W. Bush, Ronald Reagan, Richard Nixon, Teddy Roosevelt. Um, John McCain and Barack Obama were there in 2008, but they weren't actual members. Um, I believe Jimmy Carter was a part of it, too. Yeah. And some celebrities are rumored to be a part of it. That hasn't really been confirmed, though. Um, so what this club is really, people don't know what it is, like exactly what they do, but there's some weird stuff. There's been photos and videos for sure. And basically the one thing that is for sure is there's pagan style rituals there. So what that is, is it's a ceremony and all these dudes wear these robes and they basically have a fire and they walk around this giant wooden owl. Right? We're going back to the owl here. Oh, yeah. So Ian's talking about this owl and the symbolism. And there's the symbol of wisdom, which is what these people claim, you know, why it's there. But it also has symbolism in different cultures and religions. And there's a pagan god called Moloch. And an interesting thing about Moloch is that, and I might be saying that wrong, I don't really give a fuck, because I don't believe it, like... I'm not promoting this shit. So yeah, absolutely I hope, I, hope I, I hope I did say it wrong. <laughs> and I hope I offended all you little pagan dipshits. <laughs> but, um, so this pagan god actually sort of transcends several different major religions. And he looks different. It's like the same character, but in different religions, he's represented differently. And one of them is by the owl. And I believe that's the Egyptian version, but I'm not entirely sure. I don't have too much children on that. But peg, this uh, pagan god, so he was a fire god. And what's fucked up is in these holy texts, uh, people sacrifice their children to him. And so you've got this group of these politically elite dancing around this owl every year at this secret club in these robes dancing around this owl that represents a demon basically that people sacrifice children to and then you have these celebrities who have the same owl tattooed and uh you know what celebrity has that same owl tattooed on them and promotes this owl left and right promotes it as their own personal brand the six god Yep, the Muppet dipshit we just talked about. <laughs> the Muppet dipshit. I am not going to be able to look at him the same. I mean, I already looked at him like a piece of shit scumbag, but like <laughs> now he looks like a fucking, like one of those Canadians how South Park depicts them, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's the, funny like, shit. With the fucking mouths and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's... So, the owl. Yeah. He he's pushing this owl all over the place yeah. on his merch website. And then it's like if you ever see it, it's represented through like how you would text, like if you were to draw an owl through like text messages. O V O. If you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Like if you just go on your phone right now and just right. type O V O, it looks like an owl. And he's got it like it's like a lyric in all of his songs. Uh -huh. And he kind of says it like Ovo or something like that. But yeah. it's you know what he's talking about. Right. Yeah. Um being that, that owl being that, that owl is something that they all not 
worship, but are, you know, unifying around. Did So, like, what is something that the owl, um, the, like the Malik, for example, or Malik, whatever the fuck you want to say, what is something that that has in common with Drake's agenda? Well, isn't there, like, a child sacrifice that yeah. is necessary for mm-hmm. this owl to yep. be fulfilled? Right. This demonic source. Yep. Who the fuck? I mean, the owl preys on children. Who who else preys on children? Drake. This fucker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, the connection that we kind of just made here is that like there's this agenda that. And I, I want to interject. This is not just Drake. This is it's oh, yeah. coming out more and more every day. This, this is guy's just, just made it really the, easy for us yeah, to grab onto. Exactly. We're using as an example and a scapegoat, but this is the elite in general. Right. Like they all believe in this shit. Apparently. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Way too many of them. Yeah, a fair amount. The correct amount should be zero. And, you know, I would really like to ask Alex Jones how the fuck he got in there. Because I'm reading about it now, and it's like, um, to join the Bohemian Club, you have to receive multiple invitations. Like, one invitation might be enough if it's from someone of certain amount of power, someone who's really far up in there. But there's $25,000 fee annually unless you become a lifetime member then i think you pay like a flat rate of like you know like fucking uh, like million two hundred thousand i think is some like rumor i saw yeah but to get in there to find where this is that's something that you really gotta like do your research on i'm very curious to know how he did it because if animalitia can go to you know bohemian grove uh 2k21 that'd be fucking awesome yeah uh, as close as we can get percent. <laughs> just like area 51 yeah. um yeah man we gotta like do some more investigative journalism take the show on the road so to speak absolutely <laughs> try yeah. to try to get answers as, as close to these answers as we possibly can Another thing to add, like, that I didn't bring up earlier is, like, the um, media, the influence of, like, news, some of the biggest sources, CNN, NBC, um, all that stuff. A lot of those people kind of have ties to this Bohemian Grove as well because, I mean, just like musicians, they yeah, are influencers absolutely. in a way to, to the more, I don't, know, I don't want to say civilized, civilized people listen to music too, but to the people who don't give a shit about rap, you know, they yeah. get their culture from the media and, like, the news like Walter Cronkite right, was yeah. a member yeah, of Bohemian Grove. And yeah. that kind of makes me think like, well, shit, you know, and of course with politics, we know for a fact, you don't have to do your research. You can just tell just by watching. And like, of course these people are fucking paid to push more content about Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders right. or whatever the fuck it is. You know, they're going to, they're going to do what they think is right for their media source, for their viewers. And it's about ratings. Exactly. It's about money. ratings. And, and, not just for the news, but Drake as well. It's about the money. It's about indulging himself. Do you really think that Drake cares about like this new world order, this bigger picture shit? Maybe, maybe not. I, I know for a fact though, that all he talks about is getting bitches and getting money and all that stuff. Yeah. And being a sad ass bitch. God, dude, just fucking, (laughs) it's called hiking. Go for a walk, you dipshit. (sighs) But once again, um, well, before I wrap this up, do you have anything else to add to that? I know you, did. I told you before we were going to like, before yeah. we we're going to do this episode, I told you I was going to be at such a loss for words because it's a lot to grab onto. I'm yeah. sure the people listening right now are trying to like, is this real? Yeah. That's up for you guys to go speculate. It's up for you guys to go look into and be like, is this 
something that is... We're just throwing this out there. Exactly. And now you know. Yep. Now you can go do your own research. Make your own opinions. Of course. Of course. Um, yeah, I don't... We're not too invested one way or another, but I think it's something worth considering, especially Absolutely. with someone with this level of influence and power. Yeah. And, you know, people are listening to shitty music. You know, maybe they'll do some research on what he represents. Absolutely. And be like, there's some bad motives behind the shitty music. Yeah. I'm going to listen to better music now. <laughs> Less shitty people. It's it's interesting. I've listened to a little bit of Drake, I told you, and it's not something, I mean, I, like it sounds good, you know, well-produced right. and all that, but there's a message there that you don't want to... It was better in the beginning, and now it's just like... I hear about a track and I'm like, shut the fuck up. Look, I'm yawning right now. <laughs> so just talking I'm, about I'm like, yeah. shut the fuck up. Stop. Absolutely. You're not, stop it. Yeah. Please don't rap to me. Please don't. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I'm going to have to listen to some actual rap when I get out of this session. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. We'll blast some hard ass shit. Fuck yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, on that note, I do think now is a healthy time to wrap up and just All right. thank the viewers for coming in and Perfect. joining and, us. And once again, if you have any opinions on the show, yes, whether you agree or disagree, you liked it, you didn't, um, you want to talk some smack, whatever, feel free to hit either one of us up on it, on social media. Find me on Instagram, Ben Arndt. You can find me on Instagram, uh, Sanchian1999, S-A-N-C-H-I-N-1999. Um, mine's just Ben underscore aren't so pretty easy. You'll be able to see me. I'm, I think I'm distinctable. <laughs> um, or the Animalitia podcast on Facebook and we're in the process of establishing more social media platforms. We'll promote and share those as, uh, we get those up and running. Yeah. By the time everyone's watching this or listening to this, we'll have the YouTube page up. We might have some of the footage from our location scout up. We'll see what's going on there. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, let us know what you think. And until next time, you guys have a lovely evening. I'm Ben. I'm Ian. Animalitia. Peace out. Peace out.